Hey everybody, it is Puka. Thank you for joining us on the One To Go Show. It's hard to believe, but the high school hockey season is right around the corner. And with that being said, we wanted to remind you of the other podcast that GOAT Sports produces, which is called the Tea With Miss McGill Show. The Tea With Miss McGill Show covers high school hockey in Minnesota. So if you're a hockey fan, jump over to the favorite place that you podcast, search the Tea With Miss McGill Show. If you'd like to catch it on YouTube or on Facebook, search Goat Sports Media and you can catch it there. All right. Welcome everybody to the One to Go Show presented by Dirt Track Supply. It is Bert Lehman. It is Ryan Aho. It is Puka. Welcome, fellas. And I'll tell you what, this is the first weekend, long time that I, I, I sense that I could feel it. The racing season is definitely winding down. Not as much time sat behind, you know, the TV streaming racing. Yeah, you know, streaming, thank God for streaming because it's oh, getting a little cold in our neck of the woods, right? So I'd rather be sitting behind a I guess sitting on the couch eating popcorn, watching races, and be at the track this time of year. Bert, how about you? You uh, did you get much racing in this weekend? I did not go to any races. Um, actually, I didn't watch any streaming over the weekend. I crammed all my streaming in on Monday. On Monday, so uh, that that's one nice thing about streaming is you don't necessarily have to watch it when it's actually taking place. Because uh, well, I mean. Ogilvy that was in during the day on Saturday because they moved the time and we'll get to that later in the show but uh you know st streaming is really nice in that regards <laughs> I, I suppose when you were going to high school college if you went you were that kid then that waited till like 15 minutes before the test and crammed in all your studies into since since you're cramming for the show did you cram for school too um no normally I didn't cram cram uh, in college, uh, I would get up early in the morning, though, just to double check everything. Uh, but to relate my college days with uh, racing, uh, that was when I first started in MJ McBride's pick crew. And uh, so at the end of the season, when we'd go on road trips and stay overnight at hotels, I'd bring a bag of books with me, be, you know, backpack full of my college books because I was going to study uh, needless to say, I don't think I ever studied, though, while I was on a racing trip. I brought the books, but they never really came out of the backpack. It's that the was the right move. Yeah, <laughs> it's the thought that I know Trajan Schmidt, uh, that young guy over in South Dakota, runs a super stock. He brought all of his homework to the 100, and he asked me multiple times, can I get on the Wi-Fi? And he actually did do schoolwork there. <laughs> I don't know. He's, he's too responsible for me. I don't know how to take that. So um, episode 101. You know, this is it's getting a little tougher. I got a couple in mind, but Bert, one on one, you got one. I do not have anybody. Bert, you're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me. <laughs> That's two weeks in a row. So I know. I know. We're gonna have to make. We'll make you start over at one. Just quickly give us a number one because we have a one on one. But give us a number one. A number one. Uh, Dan Machansky, uh from Leopolis. Uh, he's uh IMCA stock car driver. I uh, won a track championship at Toronto Speedway in the IMCA stock car class. Uh, back in, back in the, it would probably been late nineties. He raced a, a sportman class for a year or so, which is the, what we would basically say are crate late models today. So uh, he does, he does have some late model experience in that regard. 
There you go. There you go. Puka, I know you have a one-on-one. Oh, yeah. You know, the guy from our area here, Paul Schultz, who incidentally raised fans. If you know Paul Schultz or want to know more about Paul Schultz, jump over to the One to Go Show YouTube page. Just interviewed him a couple of weeks ago here at the Bemidji Stampede. Uh, yeah, competitor has been at it for a long time. Uh, supers. I think I remember him in a super. I remember him in a mod. And now, of course, the uh, sprint car. How about you, Ryan? You you said you have yeah, a couple. Northern Renegades, not only sprint. I, I ran a lot of laps against him in the supers and in the mods. But, of course, the reason he was 101 is his dad, John Schultz, was sure. 101. And, of course, you know, he's on, in the Hall of Fame over at the Grand Rapids Speedway. I believe he was the first guy to bring modifieds, or our version of modifieds, up to northern Minnesota. Um, so oh. he was one of the first modified guys. So he did that. I remember back in the day they had a street planner class and he had a whole slew of them. And I think it was the, he had the orange blossom special. Um, I don't exactly remember what the team was called, but they were all orange and they, uh, they kind of had a rivalry going with several other teams over there in the street claimer deal, but uh, yeah, hall of famer over in Grand Rapids. And then another guy that I have Kevin Pappenfuss from up in uh, North Dakota, super stock guy in the, he always digs on me. I went out to a race in North Dakota and we had a battle. I think three of us, he won that deal. He's like, ah, he wasn't so good. I beat him. He said so, but he's <laughs> in the hall of fame at the river city speedway up in grand fork. So a couple, a couple hall of famers there in the one ones And of course you mentioned dirt track supply, you know, want to give them a shout out. Thanks to Trevor. Thanks to Ron, you know, all, all they do for the show, all they do for racing. The season is winding down get your stuff over to them so that they can freshen it up and, you know, get your chassis all, all repaired. They do tin work. They do everything over there. Get a hold of them, get your parts in a Watertown, South Dakota dirt track supply. So what do you say we start with a little uh, recap here? The, the Vernon racing invitational season recap and really in our area, guys, there was one show. That's it. <laughs> one show. And uh, it was the 18th annual. Uh, Minnesota Truck Headquarters Fall Classic over at the Big O, Ogilvy, Minnesota. And uh, they had their heats on Friday, features on Saturday, over 300 cars. They had a pretty packed house over there. Did you guys get to watch any of the racing action from this past weekend? Mods and yeah. lights for me. Same here. I watched a late model feature and the modified feature. And I watched the late model heats too. Late and uh, first off, I, I would like to... Uh, thank pat door for winning that race and we'll get into the reason why later on in the show <laughs> moss has let me down i should give a donkey award to dave moss for not holding on to that win so i can hold on to my point lead so yeah dave thanks a lot man you're, you're still messing <laughs> uh but i mean actually i mean they moved the start time up for that race uh, i'm assuming it was because there's weather coming in later in the day and um i mean it's good to see them take um fans into consideration and you know trying to get the show in um but i think we all agree that we're not fans of day racing so i was a little skeptical of what the racing was going to be like but uh it was actually i mean the late model feature and the mod well the mod feature was was spectacular uh but the late model feature was very good too i mean they, they were racing on the top and the bottom so i mean that's good to see for day racing Absolutely. And, and Puka, what stuck out to you over in Ogilvy? Yeah, I agree that the day racing seemed to have worked out, but the humidity was pretty high. Like I said, they did have some crowd cover, uh, not crowd cover, 
cloud cover that helped a little bit uh but they did have the crowd cover too it looked like a really good crowd so congrats to everyone down there like i said this is a great facility great track uh we talked a little bit about it last week i touched on it. i don't know that track's about 20-ish years old and it seems like just it gets better and better and i hear good things and like i said 300 cars guys like to go down there and race so they're doing they've you know got a combination that guys like they're doing something right uh you know you talked about dave moss last to first in that late model heat passing edgington for the lead pretty impressive just want to give a plug to the veteran Harry Hansen from up in our area. He was able to muscle a, a heat wind down there. Uh, our buddy Jordan in a modified, or is that his brother? Brother, John. Okay, okay, yeah, because I saw the modified run around there a little bit, and then uh, like uh, Bert alluded to, you know, Pat Door third straight in the late model. Congrats! Right after the legendary at Cedar Lake, Ryan, you had mentioned that Nick Beninsky, where we had talked a little bit about him. He said the guy's got talent. Uh, you know, pulled into a third place finish, looked good. Uh, and you know, Dave Moss with the second, the runner up finish led some laps, uh, kind of ending the season the way he started the season. You know, he was really fast, and at the beginning, he kind of was went through a lull almost all summer. A good finish at the Wazoda 100, now a good follow up here, uh, um, at the fall classic. So, uh, Ryan, I'll turn it over to you and maybe ask, have you heard? I mean, what, what changed in Dave Moss's program? Well, I know he heard a motor, you know, and then all of a sudden, they then I, I don't know exactly what happened. He kind of went through the better part of the season with a, a different one they put in. And the problem with those crates is you just don't know what you're going to get. I mean, there's no consistency with them. So I don't know if he had it refreshed or refurbished or what, but he got awfully quick again at the end of the year. In fact, I would say, I mean, Jimmy Mars won the 100, but you know, when you look at the lap times, Dave Moss was faster than him. Jimmy was a sitting duck until he got in a lap traffic and his experience got him through that. And then same thing with the big O. Dave Moss had the best car. He drove by Pat Doerr. He drove away and he was, I mean, he was charging the high side in three and four. And then it locked down about, I think it was a 40 lap feature. It must've been about eight, 10 laps left in the bottom, especially in one and two lockdown, three and four started lockdown door found the rubber and was able to sneak back by him. And uh, if, Mar if Moss would have had somebody giving him signals or whatever and kind of saying, get to the rubber, he probably wins that race. He, he had the best car. So pretty impressive. And, you know, the heat races all night with 300-some cars, I'm like, it's going to be a disaster. I watched most of the racing. I didn't watch, you know, a couple of the lower classes or whatever, but the heat races were all good. And what I was impressed with is if you had a good hot rod, if you had a really good car, everyone seemed to find their way to the front, Right. So that just tells me the track was good. I mean, if, if you start deep and you find your way to the front, that means the racing was good. There was a good bottom, a good top. So hats off to the track prep crew. And then, of course, they moved it up to one. And I know you guys didn't watch the B-mains, and they were a debacle. I mean, the B-mains were horrible. I mean, literally rubbered up. They had to go out and farm the track, and thank God they did. And they had to move it up to one. I get it. They didn't want to start up one, but they did that because they want to get the show on. So hats off to them for that as well. But when the features came out, ah, the first couple of features were a little bit sketchy. But when they got into the, you know, into the mods, into the late models, into the supers, they had a really good racetrack. And like you said, Pat Doerr, his third straight fall classic, fourth, I believe, in the late model and fifth overall because he has one in the modified as well. And then... Uh, in the modified, unbelievable. We talked about this going into the show last week that it was coming down to the last two shows here for the national title. So for those of you that live under a rock, maybe haven't heard, right? 
Going into this row, Tyler Peterson had a three-point lead on Shane Sabraski. If if TPO wins that race, points are done, he clinched. If Sabraski wins, then that would move him into the lead. And if Sabraski, if neither one of them won, TPO would maintain the lead coming into the Can-Am clash. Sabraski leads all but like, I don't know. At 25 meters? Quarter <laughs> straight away or whatever. He, I saw a post that Shane put on Facebook. He's like, this one's going to haunt me. And, and it is. I mean, realistically, he should have won that race. And, you know, it's kind of one of those deals. It's kind of tough to be hard on Shane Sabraski. But when you're that good, I mean, people are hard on Patrick Mahomes, right? People are hard on, you know, all them people. So we can be hard on Shane Sabraski, too. It wasn't the decision on the last lap to go to the bottom that lost him that race. It was jumping the cushion coming for the white. He had, I don't know, three, four car lengths or so on Ebert. He come out of, he jumped the cushion, made a, just a little bit of a bobble. You can't do that with Dan Ebert behind you. He will capitalize every single time. Ebert closed the gap. He drove underneath them in one and two to try to take the race lead. Couldn't quite get it. That was inside of Sabraski's head. And if you remember, about well, five, six laps left, Ebert really tried to throw a death slide in three and four. And then he grabbed the brakes because he knew he wasn't going to clear and he let Sabraski go. So Sabraski's sitting there thinking, okay, he just drove underneath me. If I leave the bottom open, if I go to the top, he's going to slide me. I'm going to go to the bottom. I'm going to throw a block. And you can see it as soon as he turned left. So um, <clears throat> Ebert turned to the right and drove around him coming off a of turn four national title implications on the line because let's face it the weather coming up guys this weekend a high on friday of 48 okay oh so come race time it's going to be low 40s high 30s and the it doesn't look like any rain so it looks like they're going to get it in but man i mean it's very easy for a racetrack to say you know what it's too cold nobody's coming we're just going to cancel this deal he needed that, and you don't – I've been there. You don't want that championship coming down to the final night where you have to win, and now he's in that position. That's a tough one. That's a tough pill to swallow. Ebert, of course, he, he got her done. Sabraski second. Sabraski, though, short memory. He went out the super, got it done in the super stock, right? Travis Schulte won the B-Mod his second year in a row. And then in the street stock over there, um, Justin Vogel, the Wolverine, he got her done by default. So Nick Trainer, who last year in 2020 won the Little Dream, what was it, 25, 26,000 that he won at Rice Lake, and then he just won the Legendary 100. He won. He won the feature, disqualified in tech, illegal carburetor. Now here's the deal. So the what it is, it's a booster height, and if you don't know nothing about carbs, you don't need to know. But there's a booster height. It was over a quarter inch. I understand. My sources say it was over a quarter inch too high. They said, hey, you're, you're disqualified. In January of this year, January, there was a press release posted on the Facebook, or not on the Facebook page, but on the Wissota website under tech reports, okay? You really got to be looking for it. Like, I've never looked for that until I heard about this, right? And the, that particular carburetor that he had was, there was a back order. Like, or not a back order, but a recall, recall because they were made and they were illegal from factory. Like they were, so it wasn't like an altered with part or he wasn't trying to cheat. It was just like wrong carburetor. So had he seen that press release, 
he wouldn't have had that carburetor on. Track was bone dry. Had nothing to do with him winning. But that 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 leads me to this. Okay, I asked him. I, I messaged Nick Trainer and I said, "What happened?" He goes, "A rule's a rule." He goes, "I get." It. He goes, "It sucks." He goes, "I didn't even realize that carburetor wasn't. Didn't even realize it was an issue." He rate number one. He races at Rice Lake and he wins a lot of races at Rice Lake. He's ran that same carburetor all year long. Do they not have a tech guy? <laughs> like I asked him, I'm like, he, he's like, I don't know. I mean, they, they teched it, but evidently they didn't look at it. So then he come on, then he said, well, only certain tracks have the tool to tech that. So I'm like, so now racetracks don't even have proper tool, tools to do teching. So that, that's kind of a sticky situation, right? You, you get, just get done winning the legendary, you're winning these races all year long and your track don't tech it. It's like every track checks carburetors. How do they not catch that? Right. The next question I have is when, a and I, this is a question for both of you, you can give me your thoughts on this. When a tech update comes out, okay. Wissota has everybody's email address and they have everybody's phone number. That's a driver. They have all of them. It would literally take 10 minutes to shoot out an email to everybody that runs that certain part and say, look, here's the tech update. Check your stuff. Make sure you're good. Do you think that they should be proactive in doing that? What do you think? I mean, as long as they have all the email addresses, yeah. I mean, there's no reason why they can't do that. Um, I mean, use the technology to your advantage. Uh, so my opinion would be yes. As, as long as they have all the email addresses, go ahead and let everybody know. Yeah, they, they do have them because they're all on the license form. When you when you fill out your Wasota license, all the emails and phone numbers are on there. I mean, you could, you could, I mean, I, I don't know what the license form says, but I mean, you could even put on the license form that uh, updates will be sent to your, sent via email and make sure you check your email. And if you are unaware of updates, um, you know, it's your, it's on you because we sent it via email. <laughs> Yeah, and it, and it really is on, it's on the driver anyway, because it's out there. I mean, we have the ability to look for it. I mean, it's there, but I look at it, it's like if they have the database, it's a 10-minute deal, boom, hit send, it's done. I don't know. Puka, what's your thoughts? Well, what's the current uh, protocol, I guess you'd say, for for rule updates? Is it just posting it to the Bozota website? You're supposed to log in and, or, or log on and check every day? All, all the dirt, um, all the dirt and the the yeah and on the wasota page under tech updates so that that's the two things so uh, there's a lot of drivers out there that are extremely part-time that the last thing they're thinking about is like well i gotta check and make sure they're not doing right. any tech i mean yeah you know? yeah that's that's kind of outdated i mean that that was a great probably in 95 or even 2000 but right i mean who doesn't have an email address it's 2022 90 days away from 2022 i mean yeah so there, there's my suggestion to wasota okay is from now on create a database because a database of emails you can do that for basically free right you don't i mean there's there's free services out there to put everybody's email in it costs nothing and once the database is done when a tech update comes out just shoot a just shoot a mass email to everybody in that class saying here's the tech update be proactive on it i know it don't take much time we're talking 10 minutes I'd like to see that. I think that'd be good for the racers instead of that us against you. That's us working with you. I think that'd just be better for everybody. Now we have a, a fan question of the week brought to you by 
Shane Howell, Cowboy Up Racing, who, uh, I tell you what, he's my pick to win this weekend at the Can-Am Clash in Superior in the Midwest Mods. He's got a really good hot rod over there. So we've been particularly me, right? But I've been very critical of the Wasota board for a long time, for a long time, right? It's like, it's like they do nothing. And, and don't get me wrong. There's a couple of them on the board that are a little bit more active, just like any other board. But there's certain people on the board that literally do nothing. I'm talking like they don't even show up to meetings. They do nothing at all. Nothing. Okay. <clears throat> now, I was on the board at the Hibbing Raceway, I think, for three years over there. I've been involved with some different boards over the number of years. And most of these positions, including the Wasota board, I think they get a couple hundred bucks a month for expenses or something, whatever. M meaningless. I, I mean, it, it covers gas, right? So they basically are doing it for free. So you start thinking about it, right? And you're like, okay, Carson's got his paid job and he's only one person, right? He's the executive director. Callie's got all the office and the clerical stuff. Now you have the seven people on the board, right? Now I'm always thinking we need to be proactive. We need to be growing. We need to have a growth mindset. We need to be making this better. We need to get everything. There just needs to be a lot more happening. The question I have, and the question actually came, well, I guess he didn't want me to say his name. So the question came from a fan here, but his, his question was legit. And I don't know why he didn't want to say his name because it's not controversial, but with the board, everybody knows the board basically does very little to nothing, but why would they, right? Would either one of you two jump on the Wasota board, put 30, 40, 50 hours of your life in every single week for free? No, no. And how do you even get on the board? You get you get on the board by going to the annual meeting and the promoters have to, they, they basically, it's no different than any other board. They, they say, I nominate Joe Blow to be on the board, nomination accepted, and then however many they vote on it. Okay. But the fact is, they don't get paid, right? So if you, that's a broken system. The, the whole system's broken. It's outdated. Um, Trevor Aaron's posted this. He goes, is it outdated? Is it an outdated system? He put this on Facebook a while back, and I believe it is because life has gotten busy. Most people, if you're going to be on a Wasota board and you're going to put 30, 40, 50 hours a weekend for free, you need to either be A, independently wealthy, B, retired with no bills and money coming in so you don't have to worry about job, probably single, right? <laughs> you know, so that, that might be good, or just brain dead. One or the other, because why on earth would you put, because it is a thankless job. It really is. I've been on boards, right? Any board is a thankless job because you ain't making everybody happy no matter what. So do they, they need to do one of two things, in my opinion. They either need A, they need to get a couple more employees to help spread out the workload, right? So that way they can be more proactive, event coordinating for the 100, sponsorship acquisition social media and i mean like a like a huge social media not just a little here they're getting a little bit better but they need to do a whole lot more right and, and just public relations and all this stuff there needs to be more people that are active see back when the wasota first started boards were kind of a big deal and, and everybody was a whole lot more active they didn't have any paid employees now they have a couple paid employees so certain board members sit back and they're like well i don't need it we got employees to do that so they do they number one i believe they need to get more employees but number two 
do they even need to have a board? What's the whole purpose of the board anyway? Well, I think the purpose is, is more the financial side. So I think if you're a nonprofit, you know, status as that is, you know, you have to vote and you have to, you have to get a quorum and, you know, that's how you keep that nonprofit status is, I think I, I'm kind of going, because I've been on boards, I've been a president of a board, and I think that's kind of the way that that works, because it's written in your, uh, yeah, file, I can't remember the, something with the structure, but anyway, it's written in there, kind of how you're going to be organized, and your charter, I think that's the word I'm looking for, I think it's written in your charter, kind of how you're going to be organized, and you have to have, you know, such and such board, and and, and, and that's, I'm assuming, like you're saying, not doing much. I'm sure a lot of what they're doing is the financial stuff to make sure, because what you don't want to do is be on a board and there's financial shenanigans, then you're really in trouble because then you're going on a whole different rat hole. And you've seen that a lot of racetracks. There's a lot of racetracks that have had that problem. They got the same structure and they still have that problem. So you got to have the right people in place, you know, so I don't know what it is. I'm not sure because they're not very transparent. Right. Well, so does not transparent. I don't know if it's a nonprofit or a not for profit, which is kind of got two different structures. Right. And, and they're not real transparent. I've had track promoters. I've asked them. They're like, I don't know. We asked that we got yelled at, you know, so, I, you know, they, they're not transparent with some of the stuff. So I don't know. I mean, they're, we're wondering all the time. Why isn't it sort of growing? Right. You look at USRA, they got like 800 some modifieds in USRA. Wasoda doesn't even have 300. I think it's around 300, right? Why? Because they don't have a growth mindset. They have the, we're going to do just enough to get by, just enough to keep things rolling mindset. And, and they're dying. Wasoda is dying. Whether they want to admit it, and, and I know there's some Wasoda board members that listen to this show. Some of them like it. Some, some of them do not like it, right? I don't care, right? But the fact of the matter is they better understand Wasoda's dying and some changes need to be made. And maybe just hiring a couple more people to kind of spread that workload out so that they're actively like doing work and getting paid for it instead of like sitting on their hands doing nothing. Maybe that's a start. Maybe that would be a start. What do you guys think? Do you think they need more employees? Well, before I'll let you go, Bernie, I just want to say, please like throw your comments in here. This is a good topic. Go ahead. Well, I mean, to do all the things that you suggest, yeah, they probably need more employees, but I'm sure that um, they don't have more employees and they go with the board aspect, uh, probably to save money so they don't have to pay employees. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you asked the question, would you be willing to work for free? And I would say no, based on the 40 hours a week scenario. Um, I mean, I'm not opposed to donating my time for, you know, some things, but not 40 hours a week. I mean, you know, maybe a couple hours a week or whatever, but, uh, and, you know, so yes, more employees would be helpful for them, but I'm sure they don't go down that route. Because it's, it's all, it all comes down to finances. Which all it takes is go and get another sponsor or two, right? Create more revenue to pay more people, right? And that's kind of the, that's the mindset they're in right now. They're stuck in that, like, well, we don't want to grow. If we have more employees, we've got more costs, we've got more headache, we've got more of this. Well, they're just going to be stagnant, right? And if you're not, if you're not ripening, you're rottening, right? You're not staying the same. You're either getting better or you're getting worse, 
And and Wasota is getting worse. It's, it's fizzling. I mean, we look at the you can look at the numbers today compared to 20 years ago. It's fizzling. And to me, now I'm that all in, I'm that all or nothing kind of guy. And sometimes it gets me in trouble, right? It is what it is. But I want somebody running the organization that's got a growth mindset that says, I want to go forward. I don't want somebody going, well, I'm just this kind of where we're at. We don't want to do any more. We don't do any more work. We don't. I think if they keep up with that mindset, they just shut the doors and, and just let the tracks go to a different sanctioned body. I hook up. Well, I mean, that's kind of happening. They're getting, are getting swallowed up. Like I said, I don't, I don't remember hearing of USRA until about five, six years ago. And now you're saying there's 800 bods. And, and we talked about the traveling stuff on the late models. You've got the, the tri-state series, repairable vehicles coming, kind of moving in from the Southwest. You've got the Dirt Kings, the Discount Shop Tells Dirt Kings Tour moving in from the East. Uh, you know, and especially this year when they came into Wilmer and, and Madison with the, with the tri-state series, like, holy cow, those are, you know, Madison, all that area. And who knows next year now, but, you know, those are, those are places that had challenge series events seven, eight, 10, 15 years ago. And now that ain't happening. Yeah. And then you well, got IMCA, right? IMCA swallowing up a lot of tracks too. I mean, like I, I believe USRA, I mean, they allow for different uh, sanctioning cars who race different sanctioning bodies to race with them. And see, I think that's, that's where more racing organizations are going these days. I mean, that, I mean, that's the discount shop towels, uh, dirt King series. They allow for a bunch of different combinations to race with them. I mean, look at Mississippi thunder. I mean, a lot of the races they promote are races that or sanctioned races that allow a variety of different cars to race against each other. Where with Wasoda, if you don't meet their rules, you know, you can't race with them. Yeah, that's exactly it. So, so fans, put in the comments what you think. You know, I love the concept of Wasoda when it started. I remember what it was like when everybody was on a different playing field. You couldn't go to the neighboring track. You had to change your car. I, I remember all that. My dad had to do that. But it's it's you got to grow with the times, right? You have to be able to, you know, when change, change happens, things progress. And if you're not progressing with the times, you're going to fall short. So some changes need to be made. And you know, I'd, we'd like your thoughts there. So with that said, a little bit of an update, not a huge update on the points because there's only a couple of classes coming down to the wire. The final with soda sanctioned event of the 2021 season, the Can-Am clash coming up this weekend, it'll be the inaugural. I believe it's maybe the fourth or fifth try, but the weather actually looks like it's going to work out for a little cold, but it's going to be at the Gondaclaw Speedway, Superior, Wisconsin. All eight Wasota classes are going to be there. I know Puka's excited about that. So he's definitely going to be on his way. But the modifieds, it comes down to this. If Shane Sabraski wins the feature, he wins the championship. If anything else happens, Tyler Peterson is a 2021 Wasota Modified National Champion. It's that simple. In the Hornets, okay? Yes, the Hornets. The entry-level class, they have national points in that as well. Matt Dittman led the points. He got disqualified at the 100. Kind of a raw deal from what I understand. And I, I don't know what the process is if they're trying to go through that. But he kind of had it clinched up and he got he got booted. 30-day suspension, okay? But Travis Olofsson, who's a relative to the legendary Alan Olofsson, right? He is now leading the national points. He runs, you know, once in a while at Grand Rapids. He runs at Hibbing. He's from over by Bemidji. Three-point lead on DJ Jarecki 
And I think uh, that DJ Jarecki is an Ashland car, I believe. Same situation there. If DJ Jarecki wins, he wins the points. If he doesn't, he doesn't. And Travis Olison will be your national champ. So two national titles coming down to the wire this weekend. And uh, if you can't be there, which is kind of cold, jump on Dirt Race Central. They have well, all the well, I, I want to say, now, this is one of the advantages. We've talked a little bit this, this uh, invitational season about ending points at Labor Day and such. Well, this is a situation where, you know, I mean, I've never seen TPO race in person. You know, now I can drive an hour down the road and see them. So there, you know, there is some benefit to letting that thing ride. And when these point titles are tight, because like I said, I think I brought up, I, I remember around 2099, Pat Door having to go out to the East-West Clash or whatever it was back then. I think he had to race against Gelling. They were neck and neck or Arment. I think it was Gelling. Uh, you know, so every once in a while, it does kick someone in the ass to make him travel a little bit and get to a track he hasn't been to. And it just can be really good for fans. Yeah, TPO's like, I'd be perfectly happy. They just go ahead and cancel that. I'm good. I'm good. Now, Shane Sarasky on the other side, he's like, if they don't get this one in, let's schedule another one, right? So so it just depends where you're at. But Bert and I, we talked about this last week. We love the points chase, right? We like that drama mm -hmm. at the end. So with national points coming down to the wire, and what do you say we uh, take a look at, at some national stuff from this past weekend? And I know you guys are late model guys, so we'll start there just for you. With the Lucas Oil, their late model series, they had they're supposed to have a trio of shows. Smoky Mountain, of course, uh, rained out. Man, Lucas Oil has had a lot of rainouts this year. I, I never did the numbers on it, but they've had a bunch of them for sure. Well, and not just not just rainouts, but they they call the races like a day before the race actually takes place. Right? Yeah, torrential downpours. This place, I guess, was the Smoky Mountain looked like a swamp. I guess so. Fuel shortage. Remember the fuel shortage. Yeah, the fuel shortage, yeah. But it's good for the teams. They call it early. They're not on the road, right? That's why they do that, right? Stay All home. Kinds of crazy. All kinds of – yeah, they just sit home. If they cancel that one, nobody goes anywhere. So, yeah, the Dixie shootout and the Rome showdown, you know, what stuck out to you guys from this week's Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model action? Well, the, first off, the, everything down there just feels south, feels late model racing. I love the red and white wall, kind of, you know, just like Batesville uh, there at Dixie. Now, let, let's a little, little history on the Dixie shootout. This used to be a big, big race. As you can see, even Bloomquist showed up for a 2003, 55,000 to the winner, Donnie Moran. It was an extreme race back then. This, yeah, the Dixie shootout used to be a big one. Wow. Uh, back in 93, Bloomer won it, $28,500 back in 93. So this used to be a big race. I think it was around 2010. Or actually, shortly after the Moran win, I think the purse started sliding 30, 25, 20. It was 15,000 for a handful of years. And, and now what, what, I think it was a 10, wasn't it? 10 or 12. Yeah. 10 or 12. Yeah. You know, so it's not the event that it used to be, but I mean, where else, I mean, think about it. I mean, you're, you're in Woodstock, Georgia. And I mean, think about your Georgia drivers, JD, Overton, uh, Air Force, Ashton Winger. I mean, there's great, you know, there's great racers that come out of, you know, out of Georgia. And it just feels like that. I think this swing should happen twice a year going through Georgia myself, but I know golden Isle, you know, takes a lot of their shine away there in the spring with a lot of shows, but what stuck out to me, you know, like I said, the pits in the middle, very South, <laughs> just, you know, just like Cherokee's pits still in the middle. Um, you know, like I said, no air force in attendance, which surprises me, Ashton Winger, but like I said, Bloomquist did show uh, Owens led some laps on Saturday. Uh, you know, like I said, he's, he's getting better. I mean, he just can't seem to squeeze that win in. Uh, and then I know you guys want to talk about JD because he's heating up again. Bert? Uh, is pits in the inside of the track? Is that a Southern thing? Well, it just, 
It seems like more trash are moving away from it, don't you think? Oh, but it I just, just gonna, but, are you calling Channel Speedway Southern? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it just feels so. Even that one they raced down, uh, that crate race down there, that joiner one, the pits were in the middle. It just, I don't know, they're just something simple. Uh, you know, you, I mean, even uh, the Saturday night race there in Rome, it looks like most of the grass that they were standing the whole time. There's just something different about well well ryan you know you told us you were watching races in the south and drinking the pits you can't drink in the stands you know just stuff like that not that it's backward it's just different it's just the way they've done it uh and like i said that red and white wall i just love that and and uh that red clay down in georgia it just like i said i think lucas or maybe lucas and Wu should each do a swing down there it just maybe it's just nostalgic maybe that's the word i'm looking for that's kind of like watching a movie Six Pack, right? It kind of brings you back in time a little bit. I, I actually watched that this week because I'm like, man, I'm talking Dixie. I gotta, I gotta watch good old Six Pack. So, you know, I kind of like the pits in the middle. You know, let me re- let me be clear on this. If the grandstands is good enough, right? right? If the grandstands is low, you can't see the back. You can't see nothing. But if they if they have the facility built in such a manner that the grandstands are up high, even that bottom row is up high. I like the atmosphere of the pits in the middle as long as you can see the whole racetrack. I like that. I think it it brings me back to my childhood when you can kind of watch the crews down there and you see a little scuffle going on and people are yelling at each other. You can see all that stuff, right? There's, there's just more going on. And when they're in the back, it almost seems like the cars are inaccessible to you, right? Like, I remember, you know, it brings us back to Labor Day shootouts, Puka. How many times, right, the Labor Day shootout got done, the late model features done, the late model winners on the track, the mods and supers pull out on the track, the winners, then they open the gate and everybody's down on the racetrack and they're, they're, they're with their driver and then they walk down in the infield. Well, <clears throat> it's not like that anymore because it's a long walk around the back, right. so you don't get that same mystique, I guess. So it just depends. I mean, Hibbing's not a big track. I mean, it's a, a big quarter mile, small three eighths. I mean, you couldn't put a bunch of haulers in the infield and Hibbing. You simply could not do it. But it's kind of a cool, kind of a cool look. And they they also may or may not have some Confederate flags flying down there. So the the war's not over in the South. I mean, they get a little bit rowdy down there. But uh, you mentioned JD doubling up on the week. You know, he kind of not that he's been off but he was a little bit off he, he didn't really have great numbers in fact i think i had him in my not hot coming in because he had like two podiums in like the last 10 12 shows one of them of course was a win over at eldora so that kind of makes up for a few things but then he just it's like man where'd he come from two wins down there of course overton was right there i couldn't have been happier to see jd win last night at rome holding off overton that was fantastic um, simply because <laughs> I would have liked to have seen over 10 wins. <laughs> so I was super happy with that. But another guy <clears throat> over in Dixie, we've been talking about him a little bit here as of late, Earl Pearson Jr., another top five DNF at Rome, but another top five for the Hurricane. That was good to see. And uh, what's your guys' thoughts on this whole – if you saw the first night, right, they come out – they literally go down the back straightaway, they come into three, they come out of turn four, they're coming for the checker, they, they drop the yellow flag. Yes. What yes. is that? Like, the race is – just throw the checker, the race is over, everybody took the white. What are they doing? And then they don't even go green-white checker, they go green checker. It's like, yeah. what a waste of time. Is that – does that make any sense to you? Should they just ictionate that whole deal and go checker? What's your thoughts? 
Well, I mean, you know, I was watching that and yeah, I mean, the leader was coming out of four, it was almost to the flag stand and all of a sudden the, the yellow came out and it's like, really? And I mean, I guess I understand because Owens was stopped entering turn one. So you don't want everybody barreling down the front stretch, trying to get to the flag stand if they're still battling for position. But yeah, at that point, just throw the checkered flag and throw the checkered and the yellow at the same time and just, you know, just let the race be over, um, in yeah. my opinion. Okay. Yeah, I'm, maybe that's what you got to do is just, yeah, I mean, I understand why they did. Even J.D. made a comment in his post-race interview, like, you know, I, you know, I don't know what they're doing there. And then, like you said, same thing, just a one-lap shootout. But, you know, I guess it's a safety thing. Maybe, you know, maybe it's maybe it's the insurance call. Maybe if the, you know, the insurance says if this, you know, if there's anything on the on the track, you got to wave the caution, no ifs, ands, or buts, or we're not covering you. Yeah, and, and every well, each track has their own insurance, but you'd think that if everybody or a certain amount of people took the white, you just drop the checker, the race is over. Nobody likes ending that way. I mean, but I guess I've always I don't understand why they do one lap, right? Why not go if you're gonna throw the yellow, go green white checker? Where did that where did this whole green checker deal even come from? I've never even seen such a thing until some recent Lucas stuff. That that just makes no sense to me. Go green white checker, right? because that way you at least have a little bit more excitement for the fans, but it kind of leads me to this. I mean, how many, how many JD fans do you suppose were like, he's coming for the checkered and they're like, Ooh, not playing. They're all pumped. Right. It's kind of like the kicker for the Cincinnati Bengals. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, that donkey word. I know Puka's not a big football guy, but did you see that? I, I saw, yeah. Yeah. Good, I agree. Like the guy <laughs> kicks the field goal. If you guys haven't seen that, if some, if you're watching, haven't seen it, the Bengals were playing the Packers this weekend, and they, the, they're trying to figure out which kicker was worse because I think they might have set a record for most consecutive missed field goals in a game. It was a debacle. But in, in overtime, the Bengals kicker kicks a field goal, and he literally misses by – it hit the flag on the outside of the bar. He's jumping up and down. He jumps in his lineman's arms. He's all pumped, and he's like, woo, yeah, we – and they're like, I missed. What do you mean I missed? It's like – Donkey Award for the dumbest celebration non-racing that I've seen in a long time right there. That was good, but I'm thinking uh, there might have been some JD fans doing the same thing, that premature celebration deal. So, uh, T-Mac, congratulations to him. His first ever Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model Series championship. So, he's been, he's been at it for a while. He's been close a couple times, but uh, just a model of consistency, right? He's not flashy. He's not that high side hustler. He's not, but he's He's that guy. You know who he reminds me of, Puka? John Kanta, right? Yeah. He never, you know, Kanta's not quite as fast as he was when he was really on top of his game, but he's never looked really fast. But I can't tell you how many times it's like, where the hell did 85 come from? Yeah. And he's there at the end all the time. And that's what T-Mac reminds me of. So I got one, and probably a guy like Troy Powers would be the only one who knows, because I don't know. I'm just thinking of it now. Scott Bloomquist. T-Mac have won both the Lucas series and the world of all Lives series. Is there anyone else? Maybe Don O'Neill. I don't, I don't know. So any, any of you late model historians, please comment. If you know, is there any other driver that's been able to capture both major series? Uh, Cause Moyer certainly didn't. He never really followed that Lucas. So anyway, cause you think of some of those Lucas, I mean, Bloomquist dominated for a while. Owens dominated for a while. Uh, Bert, you got any ideas? 
None that I can think of off the top of my head, other than those not everyone's like Ryan Aoki when it was Zoda Championship and a DTRA <laughs> and in the same season. Not everyone's like Ryan Aoki. I mean, that's a step up from World of Outlaw Lucas. I mean, it really is. I mean, <laughs> we'll have to check into that. We'll have to pull yeah. up the past champions of that. That's interesting. I, I guess I didn't even realize that he won a World of Outlaw Championship. Yeah, so that's an accomplishment for him. So really cool. Um, now, my favorite race of the weekend, if, I, if there's something that stuck out to me, the one I was looking for the most, Falls Frenzy at Fairbury. It's Falls, baby, on a Saturday night. 42, I think, cars they had over there. And, uh, Bert, why don't you start there? I know you had a, a Eastern Wisconsin guy representing a little bit down there. Actually, a couple, because uh, uh, Taylor Scheffler was racing down there. He made, I believe he made the feature. And then uh, Mike Mike Mullen uh, out in his uh, brand new late model. Uh, I believe this, yeah, this was the first time he raced this late model. Um, made the trip down there. Uh, he won the won his B feature, and then uh, he pulled off uh, once the leaders caught him in the feature. And he didn't want to get in anybody's way and stuff. But uh, it's good to see him in a late model. Hopefully next year we'll see him in a late model a lot more. Hint, hint. And um, but yeah, I mean, I think this was the most exciting late model race of the weekend uh, that I that I watched. Uh, it seems like Falls never disappoints. Uh, it's always you know top side, low side, and fun to watch. And, uh, I mean, Gundaker was leading early, and he would not get off the bottom, though. I, I, I you know, I'm watching, it's just like, get off the bottom. You're going to get passed. And sure enough, he got passed. But, I mean, Heckenest had a better car than Gundaker did. So, I mean, um, you know, Heckenest had the best car, I think, and uh, it was good to see him get a win. Uh, you know, he doesn't win a lot, so – when he does win, um, uh, it's all, it's good for the little guys to get wins. And, and second place was something we may or may not see a whole lot more of next year was the B5, right? Rumor has it that he might not be in Rocket 1 next year. So Brandon Shepard got second. Of course, G Squared got third. You know, Puka, anything stick out to you over at Falls? Well, where was Bobby Pierce? I heard he, I guess then I ended up hearing he was at a Bears game. Is that what you guys said? Gatlinburg. I saw pictures on Facebook that they went on a little uh, couple's vacation. Him and him and his better half and another couple. There was pictures they were over at Gatlinburg on vacation. They were they're at a Bears game the previous Sunday. Oh, is that was okay. Okay. Well, yeah. thanks a lot, Pierce. I picked you. It's Falls. It's Bobby Pierce. He doesn't <laughs> show up, so you know that was real. Uh, yeah, yeah. Me too. <laughs> me. Uh, well, I noticed. I did look at his schedule ahead of time and he did not have it on his schedule, but I thought he's got a race there. I mean, he's that close to it. He's got a race there. So sorry to interrupt you. Puka. No, no, that's why I do think that'd be one, you know, on, his, on the schedule, like day one, you know, like, like in January, that'd be one, but uh, debris on the track, they do a little bit of the opposite of what Lucas does. They had some debris <laughs> on the track. They just let it go. That announcer could be a little too much for me, you know, hashtag falls. I mean, I think he does a good job. I don't know if it's his voice, but, I, I watch the second half of the race uh, on mute. He, he just uh, <laughs> a little too much for me. Now I got to bring this guy. I like up. him. Yeah. Well, I mean, he does a good job. I don't know what it is. It's cadence or something, but he gets to be a little too much for me, but our favorite Michigan driver out of white pigeon, Michigan. I know you saw him. You, I got to bring him up. Chris Nash, the number three fifty four. our buddy from Eldora. I believe it was time trials. There he was. 
Parks are again. Bill Steen's getting more advertising out of Chris Nash than anybody. And I found out it's a Schwartz car. I don't know if I should be bringing this up, Charlie, but it is a Schwartz car. So, um, you know, congrats, uh, Chris Nash, for getting in there at Falls. And like I said, Frankie with the big win, you know, put together a pretty nice season. Now, remember when he came up to our area, win in Jackson, win at Fergus at the I-94, and now this big win down here at uh, Hashtag Falls. So congratulations. Uh, like I said, pretty good year for Frankie. What you got, and, and we all picked Pierce, right? But then Bert also picked Shannon Babb, who also <laughs> got saved by the rain. But there's a guy, right, the Moipo Missile, that's always extremely fast, and he was sick. Now, I don't know what it was. I'm speculating maybe it was COVID. Maybe it was something else. I'm not sure. I don't know what it was. But uh, I was really shocked to see, um, due to sickness, not going to be able to make it to the falls. I'm assuming here that maybe it was COVID-related. I don't know that for sure. But uh, that's a guy right there. I was kind of disappointed not to see him there because he always puts on a hell of a show. But, yeah, you're right. Heckenast has been really, really good. Um and kind of since that swing up north, that's kind of when he started to take off, and he's put together some nice shows. So, any closing thoughts on Fairbury? Not other than, not other than it, it never disappoints, and it, it's always a must-watch race. And just uh, you know, for all you other tracks that are filming, uh, like Hibbing would have a good thing with that garage that they have on the backstretch there. But you know, they film so you can see, you know, the flag stand. You know, they film from the backstretch, which is is very unique in auto rate. And then you see them as they come across the line, but yeah, falls is falls, uh, you know, in the middle of nowhere, you know, if you look on the map, it is literally in the middle of nowhere. And, and incidentally, Woodstock and Rome down there, I, I wanted to look them up there. Maybe a little more than Hipping Rapids. You know, they're both North of Atlanta. They're, they're not that far from each other either. So they must be a, but I don't want to say in the South, they even race on Saturday because of college football. Maybe they're Friday, Sunday. Maybe they're Saturday, Sunday. Maybe they're Friday, Saturday. But if I'm a betting man, I'm going to say Friday, Sunday. They don't race on Saturdays. That's college football day down there. It's SEC territory. <laughs> yeah, SEC got their asses kicked this week, by the way. So if you're a college football fan, they got smoked. So let's talk a little uh, World of Outlaw Sprint Car action. They had a pair of shows this past weekend over at Port Royal. And, uh, I know you guys got to watch the features there. What stuff out to you in the sprint car world? Well, I am wondering if Brad Sweet is getting a little nervous at this point. Uh, the point lead is down to 92 points now uh, with only, I don't know, there's five or six races left, I think. Um, I still think that uh, it's a lot of points to make up in that number of races, but uh, he... Sweet has not looked good the last, I, he's had some bad luck, but uh, the first race this last week, he started in the front and by, by the end of the race, he was running 14th and I don't think he had any tire issues or anything. He just went backwards and you don't see that too often. No, he got 14th and 12th on, on the last two shows and uh, David Gravel got sixth and second. So he, he narrowed up that margin and I'm telling you, it could get awfully interesting over the next couple of weeks rolling into the world finals. You're exactly right. Shots actually ran good. Um, he actually, I don't know, what did he get? Fourth and a third. So he constantly up in the top five. He's been solid um, ever since about the midway point of the season. He's been impressive. Puka, what else stuck out to you over in Port Royal? Yeah, 92 point swing now between uh, uh, Gravel and Sweet is what I heard today. But uh, here's a question for you guys and for you fans. When's the last time? Now we're going to exclude 
Kyle Larson, because if Kyle Larson wanted to be a world of outlaw regular, he would be. But once the last time they raced two nights in a row and an outlaw didn't win for two nights, you know, I mean, it's not uncommon for someone to, to pop a win in there, but it was two nights in a row with, you know, Kerry Madsen getting it done. And then uh, this Spencer Beeston, how impressive was he? Badass fast. Yeah, he's a young gun that uh, he actually won one earlier this year and he's got, he's talented. Somebody said, is, is he going to run a full world of outlaw schedule next year? Somebody was saying that's uh, true or not yeah um uh, whose ride is he in the ride uh he might be he might be in the casey kane ride next year or is it the team that he's currently might be maybe you know the team he's with might be the old carrie madsen ride because madsen was running and then was released it might be his old team maybe that's what it is we'll have to We'll have to pick up on that. Well, we'll know. There'll be some announcements and stuff coming for during silly season, but I believe he is going to be making the run next year. Yeah, so Madsen won night one, based in one night two. Now, a guy that got second on night one, come from a little bit deep in the field, Lance DeWeese, he got second, got inside of him about a car length at the, at the line there. How good is this guy? It seems like every time they're in Pennsylvania posse territory, like he's in the conversation. How good is Lance DeWeese? I don't know much about him, but yeah, I mean, you do hear his, his name a lot when uh, the outlaws go up there and there's big shows. So, um, like I said, I don't know a lot about him, but he seems to be the real deal. He's an old dog. He's an old guy. Oh, is he? Did he win yeah. one earlier this year? I don't think, well, he's won races, not World of Outlaws. Though, not, not World he, of Outlaws. So, so is the Pennsylvania Posse still winless against the Outlaws now for the last few years? Uh, did, did, Marks, did, did Brent Marks win one? There you go. Okay. Somebody snuck. That's who it was. Okay. Because I yeah. knew somebody snagged one a, a few weeks back. Okay. It wasn't Deweese. It was it was Marks. It was yeah. Marks. And, and Deweese is always there. I'm telling you. He is, he's really, really good. Williams Grove, he's good at too. Um, there's a guy to keep an eye on don't know how many more years he's got in him, but he's a guy that is so good around the bottom of the racetrack. I mean, he's really, really good. Every time I see him marching forward, he's not that high. He's not Sheldon Hoddenchild, right? He's the guy on the bottom running, and he's so smooth. He gets around it good. And, uh, man, if he ran a World of all schedule, I think he'd win some races. So pretty interesting there. So what do you say we get into some who Before we we move on, I just want to say the bad luck award for the two outlaw races happened the first night with uh, Shuhart. Did you see see what happened to him? He's running second, battling for the lead, and uh, a car from the back of the pack spins in three and four, and Shuhart tried to go between the car and the guardrail, and just, I mean, that just shows you how fragile those suspension parts are. Just nick them. But, I mean, it was enough to break the suspension in the front, and uh, he had to pull out. I don't know if he got back out into the race or not. Yeah, my pick. My my (laughs) pick. You know, I was pouting. You know, I'm going to pout about my pick. So that's what happens to Schuhart. Pierce doesn't show up at Falls. The 76 of Overton has 500 restarts to get by J.D. and can't even touch him, (laughs) can't even sniff him. Macedo, I pick him. He's like the worst weekend he's had in the whole year. And then Bishop starts on the front row and doesn't win. I mean – Lightning, if lightning strikes tonight, it's going to strike me. That's where my luck is right now. <laughs> well, Puka, you just keep on picking the guys that uh, – so so let me ask you this. Who are you picking, Sabraski or TPO? They're all begging you not Maybe to I pick them. Maybe I shouldn't them. say, huh? 
that way if one of them don't win we're gonna say it was all puka it was all puka <laughs> so let's get into some who's not or who's hot and who's not puka brought to you by yeah our friends over at blue line brews uh, we've talked about them in the past official drink of the one to go show it's your chance to back the brew remember now the mugs have shipped you'd have to check their facebook page but they're pretty cool mugs um you have the right to remain caffeinated uh like i said we've showed you some of the brews here uh the stakeout and the detective special justice is coming to be a little bit of a lighter brew uh, they're going through the donation process right now we give 10 percent of the profits back to fallen or injured officers men and women of blue to their families uh, so you can go to the Blue Line Brews Facebook page to kind of keep track of all that. And then, like I said, K-Cups, they're still working on. We're all, I think, pretty aware of right now the supply shortage uh, or, you know, the, the kind of the, uh, um, what do you call it, supply chain and, and everything that's going on there. So they're getting a little bit held up on the K-Cups. But uh, I think most people use K-Cups these days. I know my family sure does. So just, just stay on their Facebook page. Uh, if you want to order and help out the one to go show and back and blue at the same time, bluelinebrews.com, type it in or just scroll down to the show notes there and I'll click your rate over. All right, Bert, who's hot? Uh, you got to go Superman. Uh, two big wins over the last week, so um, can't go wrong there. Uh, I'm going to keep Overton on the list. Uh, he didn't get any victories, but he was second, so... Uh, Still added money to the to the bank account in his quest for a million, and uh, uh, got to go T Mac winning the champion, securing the championship. And I mean, it's not like he just started and was in the back. I mean, he was he was racing up front in those races. So and he clinched the championship. So uh, he's on my list also. Awesome, Puka. Yeah, let's go with Pat Door with that three in a row. Now I believe Pat Door has been back in a rocket car. This is his third year. Going back to the red. I think uh, 2019 when uh, Demo just got past him at the Challenge Series there up at the, the Classic in Grand Rapids to win that. You know, because when he ran that capital car, he was, you know, pretty up and down. You know, I, I actually thought Pat Doerr's better days were over. Then now that he, you know, he got in that rocket, he's really had a rocket of a year, especially here in 2021. So congrats to him. Got to keep uh, Shane Sabraski on the list. Big win in the Super. And did I see Ryan, Ryan Michelson winning in a, a limited late model? Yep, he did. He won the, the limited late model feature at the Fall Classic. And, yeah, he's, he's really put together a season, too. Yeah, yeah, and then two in a row for him. So he, he he's on the hot list. Hopefully he'll make it up the Gonic Law Speedway this weekend. Yeah, I, I guess I, I should text him and find out. I don't know if he's been up there or not before. It would be kind of cool to see him up there. So I have Dan Ebert. Um, man, he, he, runs, <laughs> he ran mostly the USMTS stuff. But we're talking about TPO and Shane Sabraski. Both of those two should be really happy that Dan Ebert did not follow with Soda Modified Racing this year because he has been utterly dominant. Um, he won the Gurkey Memorial. He won three of four RV races that he was in. He won the Wasota one honored. And now he just had a last lap pass on a national point contender to win the Fall Classic. Ebert has been, when he unloads in Wasota country, he has been really, really good. Um, in the super stocks, I got Shane Sabraski. So Sabraski, in his last 15 races, 14 podiums, 10 wins, including the Fall Classic, the, the Piston Cup at Granite City. He got six at the Red Clay, but started deep. He did win the Mons. Um, won the Bemidji Stampede both nights. He won the Wissota 100 and the Prelim. He got a first and a second at the Northern Nationals. He won the Labor Day Shootout. He has been utterly dominant in the super stocks. And I think out of... Uh, 
He's got darn near 60 shows. He's only got six off the podium all year long. Really? Impressive. Yeah, he's Holy. been unbelievable. So I had Door on there, but uh, you you covered him. But I'm going to go with Dustin Sorensen, one of the young guns down southern Minnesota, USRA mod. He runs some late model stuff too. Five straight feature wins in his USRA mod. He won both yeah. nights of the pumpkin, the great pumpkin race at the Mississippi Thunder Speedway. And then this past weekend, he swept the weekend down in Wheatland at the at Lucas Oil Speedway at the USRA Nationals. He won all three nights with a stacked field of modifies down there. He was the class of the field. So Dustin Sorensen, he's getting after it. So who's not, Bert? Who is not? Um, I'm going to put Brad Sweet at the top of this list because uh, he has gone quite a few races without uh, uh, performing well. So uh, he's at the top of the list. Um, I'm going to put Bobby Pierce on there for skipping falls. Uh, track right in his backyard he always runs well there and he skipped it so I'm putting him on the list and uh, third is going to be mother nature because uh, uh, not only was a Lucas race rained out last week but last week there's also was supposed to be a flow uh, midweek race also and that got canceled due to weather so uh, mother nature hasn't always looked down kindly on uh, racing this summer <laughs> and night one of falls was rained out too, right? So correct, correct. Do we now do we put on the not hot list? Do we put Bobby Pierce or do we blame his girlfriend? Or is he married? Is he married? I'm not sure if he's married. I don't think he's married. Yeah, maybe we blame his other half. Because I'm thinking he wanted to go to falls and discretion was a better part of valor. And he probably said if mom was happy, everybody's happy. So well, yeah, yeah sometimes you gotta do that, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess. I, I, I don't know if I agree, but yeah, we'll go. <laughs> he made the right move. He made the right call on Friday night anyway. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. So Puka, who do you got? Who's not? Well, I've got this guy, and and after the invite season he had last year, I guess I'm just, you know, uh, kind of going off the whole invite season would be Jesse Glenn's incidentally, incidentally, did you see the car for sale uh, on the internet or interwebs this weekend? But yeah, Jesse Glenn, just a pretty cool uh, invite season all the way around. Like I said, Carson Macedo, I talked about him earlier. One of my picks, you know, third in the world of all uh, sprint car points, but just terribly cold this week and a 21st and a 15th. And then we mentioned Brad Sweet uh, lost points to Macedo again. I still think he's going to be your, your champ for third year in a row, but cold as ice out East this weekend. How about you, Ryan? I think all of us got Brad Sweet on there because he's been just not, <laughs> just not looking like he's, you know, when you win the championship, you want to put an emphasis on it at the end of the year. And it's just like he, he got a good start and he just, I don't know, he just has not looked real good over the last, I don't know, month and a half or so. Um, I also have Jesse Glenn's on him, incidentally, second at the silver. And I'm like, man, he is going to be, it's going to be his invite season because he looked good. Then he got a seventh in a DNF at Hibbing and he took two weeks off. Right, he didn't. He didn't go to the Northern Nationals or the sites. He didn't go um, to the legendary or the Wasota 100. He went to Knoxville to watch, and then he did get fifth at the Punky, ninth at the Red Clay. Got a DNF at Ogilvy. Just not what I would have expected either from Jesse Glenn's. Incidentally, his season is done. He's not going to go to the Canyon Clash, from what I understand. Now, Jody Belfort, I got him on there. He's he's like Jekyll and Hyde. Right. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't understand it. He ran, I think he was on the podium on Labor Day and then he went to the Northern Nationals. He got a first up there. He won the Northern Nationals one night 
And then he went to uh, at the 100. He just uh, it wasn't his type of track. They farmed it. He pulled off. He got a DNF at the Punky. That wasn't his deal. He went to the Red Clay, and he had a shot to beat Sebraski. He got second. Then he goes to the Fall Classic, and he was my pick in Ogilvy, and he got 11th. Jody, you're killing me, man. Like I, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not picking him for this weekend because I'd like to see him win. But man, I, I was, I expected way more from him at Ogilvy. I was really surprised with that 11th place finish. And then I have USRA, right? Got a lot of tracks, a lot of promoters. Not going to mention any names, but Wissota Board. If you're listening, yes, there are Wissota promoters talking about going to USRA. Okay. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say what you know they dropped the ball. They had the USRA nationals. It was after two o'clock in the morning, all three nights. It was like 245 one night, 238 another night. You can't have that, right? They start at six o'clock. That's over eight hours of race. What are they doing? It's not like they had 900 cars like Boone, right? They had around 300 cars. Unbelievable. They they should be embarrassed, right? to have an eight hour race program at their marquee event. And I don't know if you guys got a chance to look at any of it. It was on race and dirt. The grandstands at the Lucas oil speedway in Wheatland were flat empty. There was nobody there. I'm talking, I'm talking even like when it was normal people's hours, like eight, nine o'clock at night. Right. It was empty. There was no fans. I'm like, what in the world? I mean, like, so I don't know what the heck the deal was there. And I get it. That's, you know, they sponsored the event. I get it all, all that, but I don't know. I, I'm, I get their growth and they got a lot of cars and they've got a lot of growth in the region, but I, I tell you what, I went to the Wasota, I went to the Wasota 100 this year and I watched the U, USRA nationals and I'd give the Wasota 100 a higher grade than I'd give the USRA nationals. I can promise you that. So well, that's, yeah, that's uh that's tough. That's that. Maybe that's why there are no fans. Maybe it was the same way last year or the year before or the year yeah, before. I didn't pay any attention. But I will say Minnesota represent Dustin Sorensen, three wins in the mod. So that was really good to see at least a, a Minnesota guy. I'm guessing he's probably a Vikings fan, uh, unlike Bert. Um, good, <laughs> good to see him get victory lane there. So uh, our picks here from last week, we all sucked. Let's just be honest. Uh, Bert, Puka, and Keith. You all had Pat Doerr. You all got one point, and I'm a little disappointed in that because Bert is now tied with me for the lead. So I was cheering pretty darn hard for JD to hold off Overton, by the way. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so we have well, and and I picked Sebraski. So I mean, if he would have held on there, that would have been another another one for me. Yeah, and if the queen had <laughs> ball, she'd be the king. And it, I get it. it would have, could have, should have. Thanks, Ebert. Dan Ebert, tip of the cap to you for keeping me tied for the lead. Congratulations. But, yeah, we're both at 28. Jeff's at 20. Um, Pete and Puka are both at 16. And then Keith is kind of back there sucking hind tip, and he's at 13. So this week's picks, right, we're picking uh, the Castro Flow Racing Night in America, which is tonight, incidentally, at the 411. Um, and we're going to pick the, the finale on Saturday, the Dirt Track World Championships. And then uh, we have uh, the modified and late model feature we're picking at the Can-Am Clash, the final with Soda Race of the year. So four picks this weekend, but the lock of the week, our sure bet, one pick for all the marbles. Bert, 
Who's your sure bet of the week? Sure bet of the week is Superman at the Dirt Track World Championship. Ooh. Well, I'm going with B-Ship. You let me down this week and start in the front row, but I want B-Ship to bag his fifth title at the 41st annual General Tire Dirt Track World Championship presented by Optima Batteries. Did I do a good Michael Waltrip? You did. <laughs> you did. Now, here's how sure we are of our picks. All three of us, our lock of the week is at the same race, and we have three different picks. I'm going with big, sexy Brandon Overton. He's gonna he's gonna inch his way closer by a hundred grand to that million mark. So there you have it. Dirt Track World Championships this weekend, biggest Lucas Oil race of the year, the finale. Bert has JD, Puka has B Chef, I have Brandon Overton. I guess we'll find out soon enough. So the last lap, uh, let's take a look at it here. Yeah, we're into the last lap. Brought to you by Zuli's Race Engines. Frank Zuli, of course, puts together a great piece. The winner of the 18th annual Minnesota Truck Headquarters Viking, or I should say, like, it's not Viking anymore. It used to be Viking. Right. Classic. That's right. Ogilvy Ball Classic. But uh, the Wolverine, Justin Vogel, got a pile of wins. He's won some big races at the end of the year. Tip of the cap. Congratulations, Vogel. And this is the time of year. Okay, there's there's two races left. One was Soda. You got the, the Canyon Clash. And then, of course, the week after, you got the Topless, right? Non, non-sanctioned deal. Then racing season's done. So drivers, take get your engines out of your car. Get a hold of Frank. Get your stuff over to him. Get on the schedule. Get on the calendar. This is a time of year to, A, get your stuff freshened for the 2022 season. You don't want to wait till March. You don't want to do that because, you know, you hear all these people complaining at the beginning of the year. Man, my engine builder didn't get my engine to me. Well, you didn't bring your engine to him until March, right? So, like, what do you expect? And racers are all last minute. I was one. I get it. But this is a time of year that engine builders want to be doing stuff so they can be ahead of the eight ball. Get your stuff to them. And if you need a fresh, a brand new engine, get a hold of them. We can help you out there as well. So speaking of Brandon Overton, okay, uh, I know you got the numbers in front of you. We're kind of keeping track on his quest to a million, right? We're, we're going to see. I mean, it'd be really interesting to see if he can eclipse that million dollars in earnings What's he at right now, Puka? 808,000, according to uh, our expert Goose, who's been keeping track. He's the one that did the research. All right, Mavericks. So uh, with that, <laughs> a couple races coming up here. Dirt Track World Championship for 100K. Of course, he raced the first two XR races. So his um, potential earnings at Vegas, if he wins that deal in Vegas, the uh, I guess that would be the, what is that? Duel, race called? Uh, duel in the Death? No, yeah. not Duel. Is it Duel in the Desert? No, yeah, that's. The, that's oh, yeah, we got Duel in yeah. the Desert. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. 100 grand to win that. And then did you see there's a race down in Sonoya, too, in November? 52 grand to win down there, too. So no, that's. I didn't. Yeah, there's a 52 grand to win race down in Sonoya. I was looking at somebody's schedule online and I'm like, wait a second, what's this one? I assume he's going to be at that. That's kind of his, his neck of the woods. So if he wins one of those, he has a legit chance because there's a lot of 10, 15, 20 grand to win stuff, but he can potentially win. I mean, is it fair to say that he could win two of the three or all three potentially? Oh, for sure. I took oh, the yeah. under, but yeah. in addition to this, you've got, you know, the uh, dirt track or the, the uh, world finals. And like I said, the gateway, you got the race that the joiners are putting on. What was that one? 20 or 25 there in Northern Florida. I think it was. Yeah. And, 
when does that extreme series start? Does that start in this yeah, in twenty twenty one? Yeah. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> so yeah, there, there's definitely enough racing going on. It could happen. He's over eight hundred thousand now. Out of these three races, their track world championship, Vegas and Sonoya, over and under on him winning two of three. Uh, I shouldn't, but I'm going to go the over. I, I, Vegas, I think it's going to be a weak field. You know, it's a long pull. You're not a lot of, you know, you're not pulling a lot of locals, or if you pull a lot of locals, they're not super late model guys. And Sonoya's in his backyard. Bert? Yeah, I'm going to agree with Puka on that with the same reasoning. Uh, I don't think a lot of drivers are going to pull to Vegas and Sonoya's in his backyard. So so I just want to clarify this. Both of you guys took the under on him hitting a million. And that's, that's why I said I didn't, I didn't say, <laughs> But I didn't know about this Sonoya race either. I didn't know there was another 50. It's, it's, so it's nice gonna... to see you guys coming around and agreeing with me. I, I'm appreciative <laughs> of that. I, I think that's pretty cool. So speaking of the XR race out in Vegas, they announced, right, Barry Braun from up in Silver Bay, um, he announced they're putting together in 2022 the XR Dirt Late Model Series. And, and I have it here in front of me. But what's your guys' overall thoughts on, on that announcement? And uh, here, I'll just kind of break it down. So the XR deal, it's going to start with an eight-race deal at Bristol, March 23rd to April 2nd. 25 grand to win every single night. May 13th and 14th, the Colossal 100 in Charlotte. 25 grand to win day one, 50 grand to win day two. June 10th and 11th on the Belleville High Banks, 25 grand day one, 50 grand day two. July 10th to 13th, a four day swing over in Stewart, Iowa, 25 grand to win each night. September 23rd, 24th at uh, Texas Motor Speedway. 25 and 50 and then november 11th and 12th in vegas 25 and 50 with the potential they got a deal in there where if you race certain races that you can actually double your earnings wherever you finish so that could be a that could be a hundred grand to win that final one as well so with that said you guys's initial thoughts of the announcement the series impact on dirt late model racing um Bert, let's go ahead and start with you well, my initial thoughts were um, that's a lot of money that they're throwing around and um, uh, it's interesting to see where all that money's coming from, considering all the other big races that are going on around the country. Uh, but then my other thought was, uh, at least as of now, they scheduled against the, the dream, right? It was a dream that they scheduled against. Well, and just to clarify on that so their first that first deal in bristol right is against two weekends for the woo so cherokee 25th and 26th of march is, is world of outlaws and then farmer city april 1st and 2nd so that's four world of outlaw races that they're scheduled against and yes they schedule against the dream which i'm not sure how i feel about that and then of course the hell tour right they schedule against the hell tour as well so i mean yeah, i I did see a post on Facebook stating that um, something of things aren't set yet. I, so I, I think uh, that date for against the dream may change. Um, but the fact that they scheduled against it in the first place, um, that 
I don't think that was a coincidence or, oh, we didn't know that was the date for the dream. I mean, I mean, this year they scheduled against Knoxville. So, I mean, they know when the races are and, you know. How'd that work out for them, by the way? Not very well. <laughs> Just saying. Well, we don't uh, well, know. No, I know. No, and, we don't uh, know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's great opportunities for drivers to make some money. Um, I don't like scheduling against um, crown jewels like the dream. I know some people will say, well, the dream's not a crown jewel. The, the dream is different than the world. If you schedule against the world, you know, then then that's 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 bad but if you schedule against the dream that's not that big of a deal and i i tend to disagree with that i mean this is just my personal opinion to me it seems like they're coming in and throwing all this money around try, trying to be a crown jewel without putting in the time you know get putting in the dues to get to a crown jewel uh status yeah, how do we unpackage all this? This is just, uh, it is kind of crazy. And please comment, race fans, racers. Uh, this is a, especially late model diehards, this is a, a touchy sub subject. So let me start by saying that I hope it's not a flash in the pan deal. If I'm taking the over under, I'm saying, well, I shouldn't say. Initially, I would say I would take the over that it is a flash in the pan deal. But just like you were saying about Texas, we just don't know how much he's making on the streaming. This is obviously a streaming deal. If you look at what he's doing in Stewart, Iowa, it's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Okay, so nobody else is racing. Can you get the streaming? Even Bristol. Bristol. I bet you the Bristol streaming numbers are off the chart. Not necessarily us watching. But when you have 500 IMCA cars there, mom, dad, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, co-worker, you know, they're tuning in. You know, so when you get that many cars, uh, you know, the, the, I mean, the money in Bristol, like I said, oh, go ahead. You got to understand, though, it's not pay-per-view, Right. It's it's a monthly subscription, so literally, he doesn't. If he, if they already have a subscription because they want to watch a race for that given month, him adding more races on top of that, yeah, he's going to get some more viewers, of course. Because I'm not driving to Bristol, I'm not driving to you know. I'll, I'll probably watch these races. We'll have XR because of it. But the fact is, uh, if it was pay per view, I think there'd be a lot more um, revenue potential there versus the monthly subscription yeah maybe he's got an ad package that he's coming up or maybe he will change that to you know to maybe more event driven and and you're, you know you're going to pay per night i mean that belleville kansas i mean that looks like sprint car territory that could be pretty tough i mean you you know they we you know you send late models to knoxville you see what the knoxville nationals knoxville sprint car nationals do versus the knoxville late model nationals i know even a track like Houston and stuff like that uh you know, so like I said, throwing around a ton of money in Bristol, it's great for the drivers. And then my concern is, I mean, the Las Vegas stuff makes sense because they're coming right off the Wild West shootout and you go out there. But this fever heat that runs in Iowa, now that runs up on the same dates that the World of Outlaw Late Models have been coming up to our neck of the woods, to Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota. It's 10th through the 13th. Well, if it's 10th through the 13th, that falls, you know, in years past, right, with Superior's Tuesday you know, World of Outlaw Late Model Date. And then they are off on Wednesday. Um, so then you could go up to, you know, meet them up in, in Grand Forks that Friday. But, you know, how will that affect it? Guys are up there for four days. They're going to say, ah, I've had enough. I'm not going to go any further north. I'm, I'm going back south or I'm just going to head straight west because right after that, all of that is everything that goes in an I-80. And we saw I-80 started last year, what, on a Tuesday? Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's, 
yeah, it's, so, it's going to be interesting. But I said, good for the drivers, like Bert said. Go ahead. Other than the dream, the only races they're scheduled against are outlaw races. Have they, they scheduled against? The full schedules for the World of Outlaw and Lucas ain't, it ain't complete yet. Okay. Oh, that's true. That's true. Because um, I, I just thought of this, you know, I mean, we've discussed on this show about how weak the the driver list is for the world of outlaws. I mean, is this an attempt to try to move past the world of outlaws in a status in the pecking order of late model racing? And they all pay better, at least on top. I haven't seen what the breakdown is, right? I don't know what it is to start or whatever, but I mean, you look at all the races are all a minimum of 20 grand, 25 grand to win, right? 25 and 50 at most of them. So, you know, here, here's the way I look at it. Like we've talked about it with tracks and figure they got to have nine classes of cars, right? The, if you have a if you have a 14 inch circle, right, and there's so much area in the circle, you still only have so much area whether you cut it in half or cut it into 15 pieces. <laughs> like I don't know what they're doing. They got the there's already the Lucas series. There's already World of Outlaws. Then you have the Hell Tour. You got the Lucas Oil MLRA. Now you got this XR deal. You know, there's only so many late models to go around now. And and on the on, I've heard some fans say, well, yeah, but this gives more people an opportunity to win. As a race fan, I don't want to see a freaking water downfield of cars. Right. I don't want to see when there's oh man, like like the Lucas Oil race last night. There was 26 cars at Rome, right? Or I guess Sunday night. You know, I is that what it's going to come to? And they see all. I mean, World of Outlaws is already struggling. I mean, you look at some of these shows, they didn't even have a full field at some of their shows. At some shows, I believe Jackson, right? They didn't even hit 20. So now all of a sudden they start looking at all this and now they're competing with this. And drivers, you no know, rumor has it, Ricky Weiss is already considering not following World of Outlaws. Rumor has it that Bishop might not be in the Rocket One. They might be doing their own thing. Well, if he does his own thing, is he going to, stick with the world of outlaws or is he going to be a guy that says you know what there's a lot of money to be made here i can go do all these other things and you know and i think puka hit the nail on the head i don't know if this is an intentional attempt to derail the world of outlaws it's certainly not helping the world of outlaws so i i don't know what the thought process is here well and i mean we talked about this once on the show before i think puka brought it up uh it was at least six or seven years ago that there was a third series out there and it didn't even last a full season. And, um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out uh, as the months progress. Sorry, I was going to say a couple of things. You know, these, these big events, most of them used to be freestanding. It was about three, four years ago when Lucas all of a sudden, remember Bert, when Lucas kind of came in and, and kind of in one year picked up a remember when they picked up a bunch of the crown jewels then added them to the lucas schedule like i don't think the dirt track world championship was sanctioned you know me i don't think the north south 100 at one point was it was you know they had rules or whatever but i don't think it was part of a series and all of a sudden lucas kind of came in and now like we saw we reported on the firecracker now that that's going to be a part of but there was a time when all these i mean the world the usa nationals was when i started going in the 90s was the ump and then it was independent until what, 10 years ago, Bert, then all of a sudden they did the World of Outlaw thing. It wasn't, it, you know, so so maybe we're just kind of going back to the way it always was. You know, it wasn't necessarily a part of a series. I mean, 
you know, we can go way back to the Habitat Tampa days and things like the Dixie Shootout were Habitat Tampa back then. And then I just looked something up here. So the duel in the desert, your hundred thousand dollars for Overton. I'm glad I took the under. That's this going to be the same weekend as the Peach State Classic, fifty-two thousand dollars to win in Sonoya. They're both oh, the 12th the and 13th of November. Yes, the weekend before is the World Finals. Then they're both the same weekend. So Overton set a racing at. Well, I guess he doesn't have any obligation unless they. I don't know if they. I haven't seen any ads. You got anything on social media that Overton for sure is going to be at the duel in the desert? Because he might just say, "Hey, look, Barry, I'm staying close to home for fifty-two grand." That is interesting. Yeah, it's really. I had to look at it. So where is all this stuff? Well, that's yeah. So and then the weekend after the duel and the Peach State Classic, the nineteenth and twentieth. That's the king of the sandbox, the one in Florida at Southern Raceway that the the joiners are doing. Okay, okay. So there, the Sonoya race for fifty two grand to win, to win is in direct competition with the duel. That is so unfortunate, right? That just aggravates. <laughs> it, it really does. Just kind of. When everybody just keeps stepping all over each other, is this, is this, I mean, in any way, shape or form, is this actually good for, for racing as a whole? Well, I I've said it. I, I mean, and, and I know what these promoters maybe are trying to do. And I've said it for a long time. If you want a date for suit for late model racing, especially in those summer months, you need to get it now. I don't know why they're fighting out of these late November dates, but you know, like I said, I 80 brings you all the way to Labor Day. I 80, um, uh, Falls, Cedar, North, South, Topless, then Port Royal and Iowa scheduled that race, whatever they called it in Iowa this year. And then it's Labor Day and then it's the world and then it's Knoxville. So there's several weeks already taken up there. And of course you've already got the dream with it's established in June. You got the summer nationals that kind of run there late June, early July. You've got uh, the show me, which is always Memorial. So, you know, there's, you know, so, you know, getting a date, I understand, but flopping all over yourselves for bad dates seems really weird, but uh, I think overall it could be good for the sport, but everyone just got to, I mean, it would be great if these super dirtly mouse could run three day shows. Fans love it. They can't do the whole thing and just race for 50 grand or more each weekend, but we got to spread them out. So what is the date for that Sonoya race? So 12th and 13th, it's a practice on the 11th, 10K on the 12th, 52K on the, on the 13th. So on the Duel in the Desert site, there is a picture. Um, he must be pre-registered, but there's a picture of Brandon Overton um, heading to the Duel in the Desert. Okay, well, there it is. And, you know, I think Bloomquist will probably be in Vegas because he loves Vegas, I'm assuming. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, maybe, maybe Herb. You can see Turbo going there. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Don Shaw? Don Shaw Don going Shaw. to Vegas? Yeah, I can see maybe Bobby Pierce. It'll be interesting. But, yeah, it's quite unfortunate that them are on top of each other. That really sucks. So, But it'll be interesting to see. You know, just a, another player coming in, throwing some money around. We'll see if it's long-term, short-term. I guess time will tell. We'll see the impact that it has on the other series. Um, the jury's still out. We'll have to – this is something that we'll be following, and uh, we'll see what happens moving forward. So – down at the uh, down in Richmond, they had the Butterball. I never realized that was a memorial race. There's a gentleman; his nickname was Butterball. But they had the the it was twenty thousand fifty nine to win. And uh, I don't know if you guys saw that, but Zach Dome parked in Victory Lane. Did you watch that race at all? I did not see that one. So 
So, so Ricky Weiss was there. He, I don't know what happened in the heat. He got caught up in something. He ended up getting up to sixth in the feature. But Ross Bale started on the front row next to that Jared Hawkins and uh, spun out on lap one, collected Hawkins. Hawkins was out. And uh, Ross Bales actually went to the back and, and drove back up into the top five. He got fourth in that race. So decent race over in Richmond for 20 grand to win. Zach Doma, he's pretty excited. That must be one of his bigger wins, I would guess, of his career, wouldn't you think? I would think so. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he's got he's had some good runs out east, but yeah, that's a big one for him. Did you guys, uh, Devin Moran, anybody see uh, how he did this past weekend? I saw, I saw that he won at uh, West Virginia Speedway, and I watched a little bit of that. And man, that track is big. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Those straightaways are so long. Sponsored by My Pillow, um, or it should be. Put <laughs> you to sleep at the end of that one. Light car phone under. I think it was around twenty cars. Um, yeah. He, no, go ahead. Finish. Yeah, he parked in Victory Lane both nights. I think he ended up coming out of there with like 20, 25 grand and two nights of racing. But there's another guy. Now, Cody Overton also announced like an independent schedule, Brandon's brother. But there's another guy, Moran, just kind of picking shows. I mean, he went to Texas, could have had second for 20 grand, decided to go for the win. But, you know, he just kind of plopped in and out. And he's, he's done some winning. You know, like I said, he, that, what was that Iowa race? What was that? I got to look this up now. That Iowa race, that was the same weekend as Port Royal. Sorry, race fans. You have a disorganized host here. <laughs> Yeah, well, the Quad Cities 150, they called it. Remember the, the three-day show there? And then Moran, you know, he came over. And so he, you know, you know, he was a World of Outlaw Rookie of the Year. Well, I think one of the years they were in Hibbing there. I don't know if it was the first year in 14 or maybe in 15. But anyway, you know, he kind of got off the series things and just kind of picking and choosing and, and had a really successful year, in my opinion. Yeah, he sure did. I And I was surprised that he fell off the Lucas series because he was up there in the points. And next thing you know, he just missed the show. And we're like, where the heck was he? And then he started picking and choosing after that. Super Dirt Week was this week. Uh, I know Bert sent us a little video of the action, the 200 uh, lap race for 50 grand to win for the Big Block Modifieds. Uh, what was what happened over in Oswego, Bert? I don't know. I really couldn't see anything, so I'm I'm not sure what <laughs> happened there. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, racers, race fans. If you complain about our tracks in our area, and we all do, we're all critical, and it just is what it is. You need to just jump online and see what this shithole looked like. I mean, it was unbelievable. And I didn't realize this until uh, looking on Facebook. It's normally a paved deal, and they just added a bunch of dirt for this race, and it did not hold together. You couldn't see – I mean, you could not see the infield on lap one. You could – I mean, it was so bad, unsafe. I mean, just absolutely terrible, which is unfortunate because Super Dirt Week is so iconic in that area. And then they have a debacle like this. It's like, and, and stuff I read said that it, it just ain't been good for a long time. Should they rethink why they have that deal? I don't know why they have it there. Well, I think they have it there because the other track, was it in Syracuse? They tore it down, or, or yeah, right? Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Move it to Canada. They're close enough. Right, yeah. Move it somewhere. But that place <laughs> does not seem like it's the place to have it. Um, of course, we touched on the USRA Nationals, Dustin Sorensen sweeping the weekend. Hats off to him. But what else we got on? I know you guys got a couple more things on. Yeah, uh, I, got a, I got a couple more things. Wild West Shootout. I don't know if you guys saw. So the Wild West Shootout moving from Arizona Speedway. That, you know, nice facility. I've never seen a race there. I've been there a couple times at my in-laws uh, winter down in Arizona. So I've been down there. Uh, unfortunately, not during the races. 
so they move moving over to Vado this year. If you can win all six nights, Penske Shocks throwing in a three hundred thousand dollar bonus. Uh, pretty cool deal there. And the repairable vehicles, Tri-State Series. You know they they wrapped up uh, their season. Uh, Justin Zeitner, who also incidentally ended up being your points champion, he was started fourth, won the race. John Canta in the house with the second place oh, run, man. which is there. yeah, our buddy Blair Nothdurf. Norder. Norder. Yep. Never get that one right. 15th to third. Uh, they were down in uh, Slayton County's Murray uh, Speedway. So anyway, uh, congratulations, Justin Zeitner on the points championship wrapping that baby up. And, and down in Batesville, of course, they just had the race for Hope 74, I think it was called, um, just a couple weeks back. What's going on down in Batesville this weekend, Bert? Yeah, another uh, $50,000 is up uh, for grabs. Uh, this time it's going to be IMCA stock cars uh, hitting the track down there. Um, I'm not sure if any drivers from eastern Wisconsin are heading down there, but uh, it wouldn't shock me if some do make the trip down there. Uh, there's plenty of uh, top-notch drivers in northeast Wisconsin uh, that would represent well. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this event uh, – how it goes. I know when it was first announced, you know, the IMCA stock car drivers were all excited and stuff, but then other people were saying, well, IMCA stock cars shouldn't be racing for $50,000 to win. You want to get money out of racing. You don't put on races like this for, for a stock car class. So, I mean, there's two sides of, of the issue. Um, and I can see both sides. So I'm curious to see how everything shakes out down there. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it'll be entertaining. I tell you what, as far as a fan watching racing, whether it's with Soda Street Stocks, IMCA, Stock Cars, whatever, they put on a hell of a show. I mean, they are incredibly fun to watch. But when there's this kind of money, I mean, it just it drives the cost way up because people are going to spend money. But with that said, I mean, I've also seen drivers racing for 300 spending every dollar they've ever had, too. So it's kind of a slippery slope. So somebody's going to walk away from there pretty darn happy. So let's get to it. The uh, must see there's, there's not a lot of racing going on over the next week here, right? Things are winding down, but what's your, let's go with our must see events of the week. Puka brought to you by. Yes. RV share. We've talked about them a little bit in the past, go down to the link below. So if you have an RV, RV season kind of ending up North here, it's getting a little cold. Maybe you're going to have it out for deer hunting and they're not going to use it, but maybe someone wants to use it and go South of it. You can rent your RV on RV share. Also, if you're looking to do some RVing, click on the link below. Like I said, it'll bring you over and you can rent. There's all kinds. There's class A, all the, you know, the small trailers, all the way to the big trailers, every kind of camper you could want. So check out RV share, whether you're, you want to make a little dough or they want you, whether you want to have a little fun, you want to head up to Superior and do some camping. They got the big fairgrounds there. I think they even have a bunch of plug-in areas there for you if you're camping there too. Uh, go to RV Share, hook into your ride, and, and have some fun this weekend. So, Bert, what are you looking forward to racing uh, for racing action this weekend? Uh, I am looking forward to the Dirt Track World Championship. Uh, that should be a good event, uh, especially since we all pick different drivers. So uh, there'll be a little... Oh, he cut out. Puka, you got him? No, I can't hear him. You there, Bert? Oh, he froze up a little bit. Us. I'll, I'll go and we'll see if he okay, comes back. Okay, you go. Bert, he's, back. he's back. He's back. He's back. So okay. We had a little my, technical difficulty. Well, Phone probably rang. The, well, my battery is running 
running out. I have less than 20%, so I got to talk fast, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I'm also looking forward to Batesville, the IMSA modified or the IMSA stock car show down there to see how that plays out. Or and then also, what's that? Is that on flow? I'm not sure what it is. It's got to be streamed somewhere, though. I, I'm not sure if it's on flow. Um, okay. And then I'm looking forward to the 411 that's going to be on flow. Yeah, the, that's on. That's actually tonight. We're airing this on Tuesday. So, Puka, what are you looking forward to? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, the Can-Am class, congrats, uh, Chris Stephan, if you can get that in and everyone at FYE. Uh, you know, it's been on my schedule. I might actually make it. I'm going to be in the Twin Ports on Friday, so I might make Fridays. Uh, we'll see if it's still forecast to be 48 degrees. Probably not, um, unless I can find unless I can find a parking spot with the car where I can pull in and my windows are protected. Then I'll think about it. Dirt Track World Championship without, you know, without that goes without saying. And then just to be different, since I was looking at Sonoya's schedule. For that $52,000 win race, I'm really looking forward at Sonoya to the double money weekend for the Hot Shots, Bombers, Hobby, 602, and 602 Chargers. I'm really looking <laughs> forward to that one. I think that one's streaming on www.bertandryanaho.com. And, and, and that, that, those are probably afternoon races, too. <laughs> Start at noon, yeah. Yeah, they are. They're actually Bert, racing. I think you get hit in the head with a hockey puck or something like he got hit in the head with a rock. I was there. Yeah. yeah. It's finally starting to come into fruition. <laughs> right. So I'm going to go dirt, dirt track world championship. It's iconic, right? I mean, we're talking a hundred grand to win. It's a, it's a prestigious event. You know, it's one of the biggest crown jewels in dirt late model racing. I'm looking forward to that. It should be good. The heat races last year, if you remember, were not great, but the, the feature was pretty good. Brandon Shepard put on a clinic last year. He won that last year, right, Shepard? Yeah. Did? Yeah. yeah, he's got then, four of them. Like I said, he's going for his fifth. It's kind of been a quietly done that. I mean, right. he's and, a pretty good out four of them already. been solid over the last six, eight weeks. He's yeah. got a lot of podiums, so he's been good. Um, I mean, unfortunate for you guys, Overton's going to win, but it just is what it is. Um <laughs> I also will say the KM Clash, particularly because of the points chase. Okay. Um, you know, Superior, Gondic Law Speedway, they put on good racing. I don't know what the car cone's going to be like. It's going to be a little cold. But the thing that has me engaged into this is to see how things shake out, particularly in the Wasota Modifieds. Can Shane Sabraski steal it from him on the final night, or will TPO hold him off to win his first ever national title? And I don't know if you saw the format. They're doing a they uh, they announced they're doing a double heat format on Friday, and then they're doing the feature on Saturday. So they changed up the format a little bit. Double double uh, double heats with a passing point deal to line up the feature for Saturday, and uh, they did get rid of the draw fees for that event. So I don't know if they had a sponsor come in. I did not see that it should have it, but uh, no draw fee for the drivers for that event. So. That's kind of a cool deal. And then uh, the Lucas Oil MLRE event over at Tri-City. I'm looking forward to that one. That is on Friday and Saturday on Flow. I know we talked about the smooth operator, Bobby Pierce. He has that on his schedule. He'll be there. There was, And I'm guessing G-Squared will probably be there. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of the guys regionally, you know, that maybe aren't heading down to the dirt track world championships i can see like a heck and ass possibly be in there maybe brian shirley 
Um, you know, that that contingent of people, some of the folks that follow like the Mars series, the Hell Tour, some pretty good hot rods. So I expect to see some pretty good cars down there. And uh, I tell you, it's getting chilly. I am so incredibly thankful for places like Dirt Race Central. Um, when you start <laughs> looking at forecasts in the 40s and high 30s, I'm like, I, I love racing. I do, but I'm telling you what, I I played hockey. You know, and, and honestly, you stayed warmer playing hockey than I did, Polka, because you actually played. I sat on the bench and watched y'all. So I got cold, right? So I'm not interested in getting cold anymore. So I, uh, but I tell you what, I, I'm so pumped. I mean, and there's racing. I talked to Jeff, right? Things are are winding down. And we're like, man, you know, because we're doing our picks and we're discussing, well, when should we end the picks? And I'm like, it depends if I'm leading or not. That's we'll just decide. <laughs> And uh, so we decided, you know, we started looking at all these races coming up, right? You, you still, I mean, there's races all the way through December. There's something. There might not be multiple races every week, but there's something all the way through. So we're going to go through the last weekend of the year, you know, and, and then at, at the end of the year is when we're going to end. And the winner of us six, who has the most, they're going to get a free car or something. So it'll be pretty interesting to see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, lots of racing. Action. Electric car too. It'll be an electric car. Yeah, oh, it'll <laughs> probably be or something. Is it probably what it'll be? So we'll go with that. But yeah, lots of racing coming up, and uh, you know, there's never there's never a, a week where we don't have something to talk about. Fans, jump on board. Put your comments in. Give us your thoughts. And Puka, why don't you bring us home? Well, I wonder if we're going to get the hat trick at Godnick this year at the scales. You know, you know, is deck height going to be the factor again? You know, and we're talking about Shane Sabraski in this championship. If he loses it, does it go back to deck height? Uh, you know, they might get the hat trick. We're going to have to really keep our eyes on the drama, what goes on there uh, <laughs> at the teching area at Godnick Law Speedway. Well, that might be a topic of conversation next week because remember, right. remember, he got, he, in my opinion, he got hosed out of five points. He's down by two right now. If it ends this way, boy, that's a that's a be a sick way to lose a championship on getting robbed because of the teching ordeal. But I guess uh, it's not over yet. There's still one more weekend yet. We'll find out what happens. All right. Good luck to everyone that heads up to Superior, Wisconsin this weekend. Find the three of us on Facebook at Bert Lehman, at Ryan Engel, at Ra Racer Puka. Uh, like I said, we do have some swag. If I head down to Superior, I'll have some with me. Uh, thanks to all of our great partners, Dirt Track Supply, BuyRayShirts.com, RV Share, Cowboy Up Racing, Zuli's Race Engines, Blue Line Brews, Vernon Racing. Comment, comment, comment. Share the show. We're almost at the end here. If you like what you got here, share it out. Uh, sharing is caring. More people will be exposed to the show if you do share it. If you want to give a message to us privately, the one to go show at gmail.com. Hit us up, TikTok, Snapchat, Facebook, YouTube. Like I said, we had that one video of, of uh, um, Chris Batten, like 57,000 views on TikTok. So my kids think I'm pretty cool. They said, Dad, you're blowing up on TikTok. So pretty good for an old guy. And most importantly, get out there and be your dream. You're tuned to the One to Go show. A production of Gold Sports Media, LLC.